Restaurant Unstoppable episode 462 with Chef Deb Pocket. Some people are there just for the job. Some people are there for more. But you want to take those who just have a just think of it as a job and give it a little bit more meaning to them and make them feel part of it. You know, like you have the opportunity to create a special today. Do you, do you want to do that? They can say yes or no. I said, you don't have to, but I'll work with you on it. I want them to feel like they're part of this menu and they're part of this restaurant. You know, um, they don't have to have ownership, but I think giving them a little tiny bit makes them leave the day like, man, what a cool day I had. And my chef let me do a special. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval see terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic what's sorcery sorcery is ap automation digital invoicing and time and money saved that's Sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire accounts payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to getsorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Deb Paquette. I know I said like a Yankee. Will you forgive me, Chef? Always. Forever. (laughs) I've got to ask, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am very unstoppable today. I, I, uh, I just had a really lovely piece of sourdough bread and it's got me going. That is what we like to hear. So Chef Deb Paquette has been working in Nashville for 30 plus years. After graduating from the Culinary Institute of America, she became the first woman chef in Tennessee to qualify as a certified executive chef. She's won countless awards and accolades in, and was the chef owner of Zola, named in Gourmet Magazine as one of the top 60 restaurants in the United States. In 2012, Chef Deb came out of a short-lived retirement to join forces with four top hospitality as executive chef at etch and four years later they partnered uh, the partnership opened a second location etc i can't wait to dive into your story and to gather that mentorship but uh, let's get that motivational inspirational okay. ball rolling with the success quarter mantra what do you have for us i have well let me put it this way i have a couple of things but it's based on when i interview people and it it has to do with work ethic and you got to be a nice person. Mm. 
I only want to work with nice people. And you have to respect your others. And I always say, do you play nice with others? Yeah. So how do you know in that first moment if somebody plays nice with others? Is it just a gut feeling? It is a gut feeling. And some of them say yes, but it's the way they say yes. Or they say something cocky and funny. Of course, I hire them right away. Mm. (laughs) I only hire funny people. Um, But anyway, I I would say that uh, you... You have to be engaged in work the whole time you're here in any restaurant job. So you have to have your own mantra that says, I can do this. I want to push forward. I want to work. I want to learn. And so I kind of live by those words myself because I definitely believe and um, that as a leader, I don't do anything they wouldn't do. Exactly. You so that that's why we don't open oysters because I hate open those little suckers. <laughs> so I won't make anyone else do it. Awesome. Great way to get this thing started. So where did it all start for you? Do you remember when like you were thinking about maybe really making this your career? Yeah. You know, I was a, um, a prep cook at the last supper and I decided it was, it was time to get out of washing people's feet. So anyway, I moved on and found out about the culinary school. The, a prep cook at the last supper, washing people's feet. I don't know if I'm tying this together. Do you remember the last supper, all 12 uh, of them the, at the big table? Okay. Mary Magdalene hanging out in the corner <laughs> doing her thing. <laughs> no. All right. Keep going. You're too young. I'm sorry. I, I think I might be too young. Yeah. <laughs> well, just skip it. Edit out. Okay. Um, let's see where we'll were we, <laughs> where were we, oh, where I started. Um, I, uh, was at, in college at Florida state university and one of my best buds, um, had this, uh, job list of, uh, of jobs from the culinary school where his sister was going. And I said, man, these jobs look cool. Of course, those jobs aren't like reached until you're in the business forever. That's just kind of like that carrot yeah. it was a good carrot. I, I yeah. did it. I followed it. <laughs> and, um, so I was able to, uh, my, my parents sold my brother and sister, got a little money to help send me to college. And I went uh, to the Did culinary you say your, your parents sold your brother and Yeah, sister? they had to get the money somehow. Okay. Like. <laughs> just making sure I heard that. Right. Yeah, no. We got so, a character on Anyway, you know, out. we were a very <laughs> wonderful middle class family. So okay. I knew it was tough for them to send me. But uh, actually, this is my 40th year. Uh, in, in April, I'll be out of uh, culinary school 40 years, which wow. seems impossible. Um, but anyway, I did do the school thing and, uh, um, it was, I I kind of think I'm very a fortunate person. I found my way early on and somehow or another, I think those job opportunity lists from the culinary school were just waiting for me to read in my friend's car. She just, she had left them there, you know, she forgot them and, uh, I was like, this is cool. So here I am 40 years later, um. You know, bad feet, bad back, bad hands. Any good? But I look good for 80, don't you I? You look real good for 80. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say you're, you're not 80, are you? There's no, no 61. Okay, I was going to say, you look damn good for 80. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you 25 years, you're in Tallahassee, uh, then you're in school. Did you ever make it back down to Tallahassee? Were you working in Tallahassee? No, I'm from Fort oh, Lauderdale. Sorry, Fort, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, but I went to Tallahassee's where FSU is. Okay, that's But I went, I, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, in-state school, you know. And um, But after culinary school, I did go back to Florida because FIU, which is in Miami, took all my credits from both schools, and I was able to only have two semesters left to get that piece of paper. Um, no one in my father's family had ever gotten 
that high of education. Okay. So uh, I framed it and gave it to him for Christmas. Oh, and that's nice. He started crying, but I think that had something to do with the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, wh- where was your first gig in in with your new degree in your, this career you have? When I got out of school, I had an opportunity to uh, go to New York City, and I worked in a macrobiotic restaurant for a year. It was fabulous. I mean, just to be in the city as a, as a young woman, uh, meeting like artists of every angle, and uh, it, it was a, a good challenge to learn that type of dining because it's 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 come with me this far because uh i've always been um nutritionally minded Uh, my mom ran a health food store you know remember the term the health food store so when i was a kid we it was kind of part of who our family was so uh it even got me more interested and i'm love doing vegetarian food it's uh one of my favorites Mm. okay so eventually you find your way up back or up in uh, Tennessee. So was that for an opportunity? What was going on there? Yeah, I went back to Fort Lauderdale and worked a while. And um, one of my friends from the CIA, actually, we were working together in, um, in a hotel on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, which was too much fun. Um, <laughs> way fun. Um, but anyway, um, he helped me to get to Tennessee. I wanted to get out of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I ended up here in uh, eighty. February 82. Okay. And um, I had met a young man uh, in Fort Lauderdale before I left, but, you know, we were really good friends for a while, and then all of a sudden one day he showed up the back door of the hotel and said, I'm here. So uh, we've been together. It'll, we'll be married 34 years on Sunday. So he showed up in Tennessee, the back door of your hotel, and said, I'm here? Not my or, hotel, but the hotel I was working oh, okay. in. I was working, yeah. No, I wasn't working in the hotel. I was working in the hotel. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so he, we just stayed in touch, and he just came up to Tennessee, and then we so started our life together. Originally, you came up for Knoxville, right? There was a, an event yes. going in Knoxville, and that was kind of a wash? It was a wash. The World's Fair 82. Um, I was told they put a freeze on hiring in the hotel, Um but that's okay. It all turned out good. I hung out in Knoxville for a while, played racquetball every day, and then nice. made it to Nashville on a bus because my car broke and made it back down to Fort Lauderdale, got all my stuff. My car was fixed, blah, blah, blah. And uh, two months later, my uh, my boyfriend at the time, Ernie, um, called and said, I just want to wish you happy Easter. And five minutes later, he walked up the back steps of the hotel and voila. <laughs> there, there we, there we, go. there we were. So, any key lessons uh, in when you were in Nashville? The, this, this first real sounds like your first serious role, maybe, or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, so what was any mentors in your life? Any key lessons on how to be, how not to be? Well, you know, when I got out of school, there wasn't a lot of you know, there was no Food Network. There, you know, <laughs> there was nothing. <laughs> there was the Galloping Gourmet and Julia Childs and a. a, a a few wonderful other great chefs. Um, but nothing to really push you. You had to mm. push yourself. You had to find your own way. And I wish I did have someone that would have guided me because I probably would have stayed in New York City and been really rich and famous by now. But you know how that goes. Anyway, um, so... So how did I, you push yourself? How did you find your own I, way? I found that food was my life. Um, it was my calling. It was my gift. I always wanted to be on stage, so I had an instant platform. You know, I go to the tables, and I can be quite the entertainer. I don't get that. Uh, I don't I'm, get that I don't either. get that no. from you. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
that has been a true gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole life has been a true gift. My husband was a gift. My children are a a gift I'd like to put back in the package sometimes. (laughs) No, they're they're good kids. (laughs) So I'm curious. um, You have this uh, this desire to entertain, to make people happy. It's very clear. Do you think that is what drives you or is the food that drives you? Or is there one that's greater than the other? No, I mean... You know, the whole time you're in the kitchen working with kids and being a manager for so long, you have to explain over and over that, you know, I'm about helping you in your career. But these people, they just want a really wonderful meal. And it's our job to present that to them. You know, so it's about pleasing people. You know, we are in the hospitality industry. Um, But, uh, it's pleasing people. It's making them happy. You know, if I were in a restaurant that I didn't make people happy, I'd have to make other choices. But I've been very, very fortunate. Read a lot of cookbooks. Uh, read a lot of cookbooks. And just practicing, tasting, and having the gift of a palate. And that is mas importante. Mm. Yeah. So you just said something that you kind of just skimmed over it, but I feel like it's worth diving into. You said as a manager, I'm about helping you in your career, but we have these people. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in that that mindset of my role as a manager is in helping you in your career. So where did you pick up that kind of mindset? I mean, sometimes in the kitchen, it's it's middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of jokes <laughs> That's going on. That's giving me credit. It there's might a be lot elementary of, school. A lot of potty mouth. There's a lot of kids that disappear in the middle of the shift. I know there's... You you have to wear, as most everyone knows, many hats in this career. You know, I, uh, I psychiatry, psychology, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, um, a mom, everything. Mm-hmm. A, you know, and then you have to be the comedian too, because you have to work through humor to get counselor. some people to understand. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's kind of like being a you know the the the, the cook counselor. Um, but but some people are there just for the job. Some people are there for more. But you want to take those who just have a just think of it as a job and give it a little bit more meaning to them and make them feel part of it. You know, like you have the opportunity to create a special today. Do you, do you want to do that? They can say yes or no. I said you don't have to, but I'll work with you on it. I want them to feel like they're part of this menu and they're part of this restaurant. You know, um, they don't have to have ownership but i think giving them a little tiny bit mm. makes them leave the day like man what a cool day i had and my chef let me do a special so that's the let's lean into this more i feel like there's some other examples you might be able to give us but i agree with you so much uh it's our job to really push our people to the next level to not make it just a job but to make it an opportunity to grow and advance into better yourself and and most people not all people are going to have that drive to take the initiative to ask to do a special. You've got to provide those outlets. Uh, wh- what are some of the other ways you encourage some of these less motivated people to maybe uh, see that there is more out there than just showing up for a job? Well, I'm going to say it's like sometimes it's half and half, and it just depends what type of kitchen you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, if if the kid person wants to they're all kids to me you know <laughs> i'm you know i used to be old enough to be their mother now it's taken another step up and i'm like if you call me grandma 
your right toe will be removed <laughs> and not surgically. Yeah, she's, um, she's good at that chef knife. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, kids, back to the kids. Um, you just try. You work at it. Yeah. Some some will f- finally get through. Some won't. Uh, and, and, but that some some kids have drive in other directions. Like I have, I have one guy. He's incredible. He's this teeny little guy, and um, he can work circles around everyone. He can clean. He wants to get in. He wants to get out. He works two jobs, and his goal is just to get the money, take care of his family, work hard, mm-hmm. and that's cool. And and I respect that from him. And I'm not gonna. Ask more. He knows the rules. He performs 100%. He d- he's not one to come in and say, hey, I want to make a special day. Just tell me what I need to do. I'm going to get it yeah. done. And you need some of both. So you need to like be that chameleon to read what the situation is, where they want to be. If they're showing up and doing the job and you don't need to get to the next level, like get out of the way and you know, like let them do their thing. But if there is that person that is looking to make a career out of it and to maybe open their own place or whatever, yeah. like, that's when you step in and like really – Develop them as you hold, you you hold their hand. Yeah, you know, and you and you try to do that with everyone. You you want to see where everybody is, especially when they start working here. And then you know, if they've been here a long time, you've got to find avenues so boredom doesn't become, you know, part of their daily events. Yeah. Uh, so we do cross training, which you do in most kitchens today. Any chef will do that, um, just so that everyone has the opportunity to do something else and have a different flow. You know, every few months. Yeah. And also, if somebody's uh, sick. Yeah, you can draw on that other. You know, or it's we get all kinds of excuses why people don't come to work. It's kind of like that <laughs> term paper in college. Yeah, it rained on my paper. Um, <laughs> anyway, so you'll get all kinds. But anyway, you just gotta you gotta take care of it. And um, my sous chef and I, we fill in a lot for for uh, people who can't get to work. And yep, still working the line. I am. I am. Says Sam. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, so, okay. Uh, he, I'm tempted to kind of lean more into this, but also we're just at the first job or the first serious job in your career as far as moving chronologically. Uh, any mentors? You didn't have any mentors in your life at this point? I discovered Paula Wolfert books uh, at, an, at an early early on in my, my uh, career. And I went through every one of them and read them and treasured them and learned from them. And from there, the whole Mediterranean thing really was in my blood. And I went that direction and still do. I just expanded it over to the Middle East, up and around and down. Um, but from her, I, you know, ended up with Indian food with Meadow Jaffrey. And then I ended up with Andrew Coleman, you know, who was the editor of Sevier Magazine for a long time whose Catalan Cuisine book was like my Bible. Mm. It's where I started. So I ended up going to Spain three times, probably just because of him okay. and his love for that cooking. And my husband learned Castilian Spanish, so it, it was an easy easy yeah. in for me. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All I can say is bonjour. Oh, no, that's French. No, <laughs> I, I really try to speak Spanish. It's difficult. Um, anyway... Uh, so th- that was the beginning, and uh, uh, those people, you know, are maybe a little bit older than me, and now there's n- new kids on the block writing books. I really love the Volt Brothers. I think what they do is extraordinary. They push me. They push me to, to, to go further. Mm. Um, I'm in a town where I started pushing food uh, with a lot of color and flavors and stuff on the plate. Um, 
and it was hard. I mean, it was hard. It, it wasn't uh, always acceptable to all people. You know, in my family, you know, we took everything and mushed it all together and ate it. You know, mashed potatoes and peas became one item. Um, so I was lucky, and the people that I worked for let me work on that and, and expand my culinary ventures. And that's how I got here today because I like flavor profiles that have to balance of course mm -hmm. but i like to give people like around the world on their plate so you have these books and these uh these authors like the bull brothers and these other books that you're reading to inspire yourself culinarily but how are they pushing you as far as uh any like life lessons and how, ways to be and how how to carry yourself to be successful that you, you drew from those mentors well, it, 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 sometimes it just depends on the cookbook. You know, sometimes uh, people will write a lot of their history and, you know, their beginnings yeah. just, and you can still talk about their fallbacks, you know, look at Anthony Bourdain's book, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, his first book. Anyway, um, but I would say like the, the new, the new kids, you know, with, with the science and all the, uh, gastronomical inventions um i w i'm not a science geek so mm -hmm. i really had to read about stuff to learn about it because mm -hmm. i wanted to know what's going on a little bit of that has fallen off the wayside now but a lot of a lot of technicalities i've learned um i've always been interested in what how food does what you know uh what does the inside shell of an egg do you know nobody i didn't learn that at school yeah right <laughs> you know I, I i didn't know that whites cook at a different temperature than yolks i mean so those are the kind of things with, you know, uh, Bully and um, uh, uh, hold on, I'll think of his name. My my other Bible, I'll think of it in just a minute. Um, but taught me the base, the basics behind the food. McGee, McGee, of course, yeah. you knew what I was thinking. Yeah, Harold McGee. Yeah. So I, I was just going to talk about him when I when you asked me my other books and. Uh, um, I was going to bring it up later, but Sorry. anyway, we'll Harold McGee. Yeah. And uh, I have bought that book for so many of my kids in the kitchen. I buy them cookbooks. You know, whoever I feel really would would really um, be excited about a cookbook. You know, I bought one of my uh, Latino uh, cooks, uh, a Japanese pastry book because he's into pastries. And, you know, I just try to give them that information yeah. that I can't. Absolutely. You know, so... Uh, you get to the hotel, 1982. How long were you there before you did other things? I was a banquet chef there. I, I came from Fort Lauderdale as being a banquet chef, and I went to the Hyatt Regency downtown Nashville and was there for about three, three and a half years. And uh, that was enough. That was good enough for me to be in the hotel industry. So what happened next? Went to small restaurants. Okay. Why, why the change? More intimate. Like, you get to know your customers, especially your regulars, a little bit better. Um, it's not as difficult in ordering and presenting and cooking. Everything you need is in one little place. I don't know. I just kind of like it. Um, so, at this point, when you make the move in 1985 out of the Hyatt into the small restaurants, uh, for that more intimate experience, do you have a vision for your own restaurant? Is that is that in the back of your mind yet, or is this not developed? Well, I think, you know... I think everyone, most kids coming out of school have said that, oh, I really want my own restaurant. And my first word is like, you sure? <laughs> give yourself five more years. Yeah. You know, I talked someone down off the ledge, meaning getting into the restaurant business uh, a few years ago. 
uh, and uh, now he owns uh, a big biscuit love, which is huge. But he said for 10 years, because I had talked him off the ledge, that he never did anything with food. And then finally it came to fruition, and now he owns this part of this big yeah. biscuit biscuit industry. So what's that conversation look like when you're talking to somebody off the edge? You kind of feel them out. You know, you, they have this, they're, they're uh, a little bit timid and unsure. And they've, a lot of kids find this industry because they don't succeed in academics in school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you don't have to have, it's not an academia center, but actually it kind of is like, I know so many smart kids in this business. They just don't want to sit at a desk all day, or they don't want to sit with their eye on a microscope or, you know, they need, they need physical as well as mental um, stimulation. So they can do both here. Um, I am not an academic, but I am like 99% common sense. And that's what you need with this business. So sometimes it's hard to get those who are really smart to focus in on the common sense, which is basically how a kitchen's run. Yeah. You know, so I would say logic. I feel like when people say like common sense, like what's common to you with 60 or not 60, with 40 years in the industry, you're, you know, over 60, like for you, like so much, you've been surrounded like this your whole life is for you. It's common, but somebody who's just getting into the industry. Yeah. I have to be. remind myself of that. Yeah, I like yeah. I have to zip it shut and be sorry. I say, Hey Nimrod, what are yeah. you? Well, what the blah, blah, blah are you doing? Yeah. I feel you like know, it's, it's, but I do have to remind myself of that constantly. Yeah. And I think a lot of chefs that are screamers don't, do that they don't stop to think about what you're going to transpire and uh you know if screaming is the way you get through and it works for you fine doesn't work for me never has because i'll say all the wrong things so you have to look at them in the eye and say listen dude or do that this i want to tell you why we're doing this and then they get it wait why are we doing this why why, you know you got to give them an answer you know this is this isn't the way we're going to do it, and this is the way we're going to do it, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Now, tell me if you were in my shoes and I was in your shoes and I did this and this, which way would you tell me? Your way, and I go nanny nanny boo boo. No, <laughs> I was like, well, I just want you to understand it. And lots of times, they want to be right. Everybody wants yeah. to be right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I've been wrong. I've messed up a lot of things. Am I allowed to drop an f bomb? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. God, you didn't tell me that. Just go crazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Anyway, so I will say, you know, so I will tell them, you know, like, dude, I have been so fucking wrong a lot in my life. I learned from it and I'm sharing the information with you. How are you going to learn it the right way if I don't share it with yeah. you? But then I'm the wrong person. But there's a lot of value in the, you, you actually not just saying do it this way because, but this is why we do it this way because this, these are the things you're not considering. And when people, when people understand why and not just do it because I said so, they're way more likely to be willing to, yeah. to not fight and just do it because, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And then they also will build a relationship with you to ask you questions because a, a lot of guys don't want to ask questions. There's something in the male hormone that says – I don't ask questions. I must have missed that because I all I, all yeah. I do is ask questions. But, <laughs> but you know they they want to be right, yeah. and, and I, I and I understand that, and I respect that. But there are times where you have to, you should ask a question. And how do you know if some, if that's supposed to taste that way if you don't come over and say, "Hey, Deb, is this the way it's supposed to taste?" 
And I tell everyone, anytime you make something and you haven't already made it 10 times, you got to come over and you got to let me taste it. Mm. Because what happens when they they make it the second time, it might be a little off, they make it the third time. Then by the fifth time, they start quit measuring. Mm. And then they just throw in what they want to. And, and by drifts. the 10th time, yeah. I got a whole new fucking recipe. <laughs> I'm like, kids, <laughs> we have recipes. Follow the recipe. Yeah. Use your measuring devices. I'm 40. I can give you a correct tablespoon in this hand, and I can give you a correct cup then in this hand. But, you know, when it comes to, to quarts and gallons, I'm going to use a device, but you can't do that yet. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, you got a lot of egos going on yeah. there, you know. Well, thank you for going down uh, and kind of getting into detail about that. Uh, I want to bring it back to uh, talking people off the edge. So when when you do meet this person who comes to you and like, hey, Chef Deb, like I really want to open a restaurant. Like, yeah. How do you what, what what argument do you use or what rationale do you use to say, do you? Well, at first I say, why? Yeah. yeah okay. Why do you want to open a restaurant? Uh, and then they have to stop to think. A lot of them like, uh, 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 uh. Um, well, that's not a really good answer. <laughs> I'm like, so what do you hope to get out of opening a restaurant? Well, I just want to do good food. Like, we all want to do good food. Yeah, we got kitchens at home. But let me give you a rundown of, <laughs> of, of, of the top 10 things that you're going to have to be vested in. You know, can you run a, can you run a 26% food cost? Uh, what's that? <laughs> you just lost <laughs> you know um do you know how to talk people off the ledge do you, do you know how to crack a joke do you know how to work fast do you have work ethic can you get along with employees yeah. can you can you go out to a table and say oh i am just so sorry about that dish that we sent out you know it fell on the floor and my footprint didn't look good in it when I stepped in it and I couldn't put it back on the plate. So I had to redo it. And I'm so sorry. It took an extra five minutes and they'll say, don't worry. It's okay. You got to have to go to a table and you got to have a good story, you know, <laughs> but you, you know, there's just a lot to running a business, any business. So you just get into the reality of it and you give them like a reality check, reality check. Like, can you do all these things? Do you feel that you can do all these things? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to open it like next week. And I'm like, well, thank God. Yeah. But I'm like, these are the things you just need to think about. I mean, mm. it is hard and it's not for everybody. So I would work yourself up the ranks, you know, be a sous chef for a few years, work under a chef where you see mm-hmm. the things that you believe in and then find a really nice banker or a really, um, you know, money bags. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, great. And I love that you went into that because I feel like when I first started this podcast, a lot of the mission was to inspire people, to empower people to open a restaurant. And now I feel like it's also partly to paint the truths of the reality. And if I have convinced more people not to open restaurants than I have convinced to open restaurants, I feel like I've done something. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's one case that you got to put the negative before the positive because it can turn into one big bad ass negative if you're not careful. The positives are rewarding once you get the food out to those people and they're happy yeah and you get a good staff there's lots of positives i mean i like coming to work absolutely you know i mean i have a great time uh you can have a lot of fun in this industry if you know how to to have the systems the processes to organize the mentor to do develop people and and like you to surround yourself with good people uh if you live intentionally and, and you do it right like this can be a great industry 
And there's a lot of things you can do wrong to make it not a great industry. Yeah, so. you, you can't work eight hours a day. Yeah. No, I, I, I already told you how old I am. So anyway, but I still work usually anywhere between 12 and 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. 12, I feel like I'm, 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 yeah, I feel guilty day. leaving. You know, day. I haven't been here for 14 hours. Yeah. But um, basically, uh, it's just making sure the business is running, mm-hmm. making sure when I leave that everything is done, mm-hmm. uh, having faith in my other people to complete the task. But I'm still a worker bee. You know, I'm still a hands-on. Yeah. So let's bring it back. You, you, as you were telling how you talk people out of getting into the industry, you mentioned go and work uh, as a sous chef or an executive chef, find people that are doing things you like and learn and get developed, get, get developed. So is that what you were doing going to work for all these little restaurants? Were you trying to find your, your path, your, what, what? Yeah. You? So, I mean, I would say, you know, I know a lot of cooks who go a year to year to year to year to year to learn everything. Mm-hmm. One comes to mind. And he is awesome. He has worked in some great restaurants, and he is a sponge, and he just has so much knowledge under his belt. Um, this is one of the people you're getting mentored by? No, this is, this is a, an employee that I had. Okay. And uh, just he, he gets stagnant after a certain amount of time because of his um, – ability to be such a sponge and absorb he has to keep new information coming his way all the time Mm -hmm. and there are quite a few kids like that um you know when you look at someone's resume and it's like six months six months six months maybe you don't want to hire them but if you get a kid that's worked a year year and a half and you can see what they're doing and then you make a phone call and just make sure um and then you know you know i know that i'm usually not going to have a person over two years especially people who want to grow and be in this industry so the one to two years and maybe even longer they're with me i'm going to try to give them opportunities Mm -hmm. to step outside of the box um or and my company is really good about moving people up Mm -hmm. providing opportunities yes yes because once you once you get someone great but yeah hang on to them yeah but i think that um every chef has something up his sleeve and kids should take the opportunity to learn from different chefs mm-hmm. before they open up their own restaurant. So as you were going, how many restaurants did you work for between the hotel and opening your own place? One, two, three, four, five or five, five, five or so five. When- and then I opened up two restaurants for a friend of mine, got them going for okay. four months. And um, When so- did you open Zola? 97 97 2010 so from 85 to 97 you were working with in five restaurants surrounding yourself with people learning mm, skills no i look wait wait, wait wait one 82 one hold on five one two five okay five restaurants and any any during this point uh working for these five different restaurants was there one person one boss one owner one mentor uh that really helped shape you the most Yes. Yes. Uh, or maybe two if you can't. If well, I, I, I worked for one man for almost three years, and I worked for another man and wife for seven years. And they... Which one came first? Uh, the three years. Three, two and a half years. The man, the man alone or the man, man alone? Man alone. Okay. alone. Man so alone. what did you learn from that man? Who is this man? Work ethic. Work hard. Work diligently. Communicate. Mm. What about communication did you learn? Ask questions. Okay. Always ask questions. And I never do anything 
you know, too crazy with food unless I go to them and say, hey, what do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's their business. And I want to support their business, but I don't want to feel like I'm doing something that they know that they're not going to be happy with. So I, I'm a good communicator in the way that, you know, I wanted my employers to feel I had their back. I have always been a kid with ownership. Like, you just, you know, I was a camp counselor for 20 million yeah. years, you know. I was a Girl Scout for 11 years. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a goer and a doer. Um, so I want them to know what I'm doing in their restaurant so they feel confident that if they want to go home early, I got it. Mm. I got it. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, if I have issues, you know, personal issues with employees, I talk to them about it. Okay. And sometimes I had to talk to them about the way they treated and the employees. <laughs> I, you, you become yeah. the middleman, kind of. But you mean just that uh, as long as you're communicating respectfully, you're not coming down and you're saying, hey, like, this is the truth. This is how it looks from my perspective. And I'm going to share this with you. And hopefully they're a good owner and they, they're they receptive of that. They should be. They want You want to hear, Well, that's how I think listen. I got where I am today. Yeah. Because I am not about pulling the wool over anybody's eyes. Yeah. You know, I want them to know that I am doing whatever I can and my capabilities to bring money to the table. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about the money, honey. Yeah, you need that you cash know, flow. You know, this is a business. Yeah. And if I don't provide profits, then I'm out of a job. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say everywhere I've worked, I have never, ever had the conversation, the, the heavy duty sit down and like say, Jeb, you're fucking up. <laughs> uh you know, I've had the conversation when I had my own restaurant. My investors like, Deb, you, you, your your menu's too big. You know that that little uh, gargoyle you have over on the shelf is scaring people. You know <laughs> things like that. But they know that I had their best yeah. interest, and I think that's what helps a person prosper. That you know that that's your goal. Yeah, and that you have you to communicate it. And like, you know, I get new kids in here, and they'll just cut the top of the pepper off and throw it away, and I'm like, ah. What are you doing? Look, there's 18 tops of peppers in there. I said, right now, you got to leave them there. But you cannot do that again. Yeah. And you know why? Um, uh, Because we can use them in something else. I'm like, so how come you didn't think that 10 minutes ago? I don't know. So, you know, like the bottoms of green onions, a lot of people just don't use them. Like, what chef doesn't use the bottom of the green onions? And they came from two, three other restaurants, and they're throwing them in the trash. I'm like... So I have to explain money to my people in terms of a year's time. So if you threw out the tops to 18 peppers, 16 peppers, you probably had two peppers. So let's say you do that every day. You got two peppers every day. Two peppers times how many, like, let's not, let's do 300 days a year. Do you know how many cases of peppers that is? Tell me. So is that your raise? You know? Yeah. That's your raise right there. So you do that every day. Your raise is in the trash can. <laughs> is that yeah. where you want your raise to be or would you like it to be in your wallet? Yeah. You know, because your wallet's going to get skinnier if you keep doing that. Yeah. So anyway, um, you, they have to understand value and they don't. Like they have the water running and they walk away from it. Turn the fucking water off! <laughs> you know? So and sometimes like if they boil noodles and they got water, I'll use that water in a soup. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to teach them the value. It's not always going to be there. You know, in 10 years from now, when, when the water's trickling out of your shower cap because there's not enough water for our country, you're going to say, oh, I see what Deb meant now. Yeah, save the water. 
<laughs> so, so I'm curious. Uh, thank you for your humor, by the way, and your detailed explanations. I'm loving this. Uh, going on, uh, you had this mother, uh, sorry, this uh, wife and husband uh, that you were working for. What were the big lessons you, you learned from them? How, how did they form you into what you are today? Um, they gave me a lot of freedom and they believed in me. And actually, his name is Rick. The other guy from before was Randy, Rick, and his wife, uh, Vicky, um, believed in me. I mean, I worked for them for seven years. Um, they trusted my instincts. And Rick actually used to come and eat at the restaurant that I learned a lot from, from Randy. So there came a point in time where things uh behind the scene things kind of started happening in that restaurant and it was time for me to move on and further my career and work work in a different environment and um so i went and worked for them and it was great i learned a lot of learned a lot uh you know i, I was i had my first kid with the randy and i had my second kid with the rick and vicky yeah. <laughs> and you know they understood family values and then you know my life as a mom and a and a, and a chef uh, wasn't easy um but I really got to grow in that restaurant and I really got to learn about food. And then the kids that came in, you know, like, what are we going to do today? And like, you know, we were just pulling from everywhere. Yeah. We, we did some crazy stuff. I mean, not, just exploring, you know, it curiosity. was new. And I, we, we gave ourselves that opportunity to, you know, that course it's being done in bigger cities up yeah. north and stuff, yeah. you know, because, because in the South, nobody knew we even existed. So, um, uh, we grasped in, that's how I kind of made a name for myself in the so city. You grasped, grasped. I grasped the opportunities that were there in front of me and rolled with them. Nice. So it worked to my advantage. Now, not everybody likes the style of food I do, but that's okay. And that's a le- one lesson you have to learn in this business: never expect everybody to like everything 100. percent Go read those Yelp reviews. <laughs> love, love, love. Ugh. Love, love, love. Ugh. Yeah. And don't let it get you down. You like some people will read those Yelp reviews and just get be crushed. And it's just like oh, don't yeah. take it personally. I mean, uh, our our company posts them, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll send them. We have an email list for all our white people, and we'll send them. And, and you know, some of them will take it very, very personally. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, everybody has bad days. Sometimes people come in the restaurant and they want yeah. the bad day to they're, be on you trolls. because you're a server <laughs> yeah. and you can hear all about and yeah. I can give you all the shit I want to and you can't do anything about it. You know, we have my, can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, please. So my husband was, was managing that night at our restaurant and I uh, had a table of a few people. And of course there was one focal, folk, focal person, mm-hmm. um, and he kept, you know, doing the ordering and doing this. And he, he said to my husband, I would love to have a glass of that wine. He says, well, sir, it's a bottle and it's a $150 bottle of wine. And take this, this is like 18 years ago. He says, I can't open up. Well, why can't you open it up? And this man was just getting angrier and angrier. And so even the table was shrinking. The people were shrinking. Yeah, like, um, so finally, Ernie said, I'm sorry. So Ernie had gone up to the hostess stand and he had come up and he says, you know what? You made me look like an asshole in front of all my friends. And my, Ernie says, I don't think you needed any help with that. Oof. And the man looked at Ernie and went, he didn't say anything, but he knew he was right. 
you know, there's a time and a place where you can say something and where you can't say something. My husband's really good at that, yeah. though. He could, ooh, he could just put people in their place. I can't do that. I always, I go too far. But anyway, uh, but you know, you, you have those people that they, they have, they have to shine at their table, but they do it with this ego thing that actually the rest of the people at the table are like, I want to get out of here yeah. now. Um, and usually, you know, we work with our wait staff and incredibly to teach them how to deal with people like that. And that's really, really important in the service industry because I have to work with the service people. They have to work with me. Ambiance, service, food. It can, the orders can switch. Some people are after ambience. Some people are out the food. Some people are out the service. Sometimes a great server can handle a poor execution of food. You know? so, so how do you handle somebody like that? You hire fabulous managers and you pay them a lot of money. <laughs> and is it something that you have or something you just don't have? Can you train that into somebody? My company is impeccable at finding key personnel. And they, uh, Doug, Doug and Paul, who I work with here, and the other two of the four tops work in other cities, are really keen on the service. I mean, they are big on it. And... Doug is about delegating and he says, this is what I need from you. I mean, we have, you know, we have, a, a, you know, a brief training manual, but the rest of it comes through meeting with them, talking to them constantly, preparing them, um, doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, scenarios like this is, this has happened. Well, how are you going to deal with it? You know, all kinds of things. So I've worked with some fabulous people in the industry and the ones that my restaurants have shined in are the ones where the managers make sure that they are ready for anything and everything. Now, and if there's a situation you can't handle, you get a manager ASAP. Yeah, but what do the managers do to defuse a situation like that? Where do you think it, it lies? You're professional, and you give them a big fat gift certificate. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, Money talks, yeah. baby. I think at the end, yeah. Of the, yeah, at the end of the day, no. it's just a matter of you know not letting your emotions get a hold of you and keeping that part of it detached because you can't get emotional about it. You have to stay clear-headed. And no, just- very clear-headed, but you, we, we actually have... We focus in on our managers who people who can do that and do that well. It's it's kind of like a you know a doctor who has to come out and give somebody bad news. Yeah. You know they they have a bedside manner. We have a tableside manner, and so we have to learn how to deal with these people who may have had a bad day. And by caring and showing that you care about what happened at yeah. their table. Yes. Sometimes you can turn them around. Sometimes yes. if they're irritable. We'll get a thing. Get this food out quick. Yep. You know, we have hangry going on. Hangry. Table four. Hangry. Get them food. Okay. So for those who don't know what hangry, that's hate and angry in the, in the same word. Um, so anyway, you feel at your table. Yeah. And if you know that you have a, a piss poor table, because it happens, we're humans. Um, you know, we make that, we make the managers aware, watch out for table five. Mm-hmm. There's something going on. We're not sure. Sometimes you can tell if a couple are having an argument. Yep. You know, so you try to make the manager aware. Watch that table. So communication, 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 communication. Yeah. And I think you you nailed it. When it, it, Just show people that you care. And if you approach a table and you genuinely want to 
uh, offer a resolve or you want to get to the bottom of whatever you can do to make that night better than when they came into your restaurant. Yeah. And they, they can pick up on that and just like finding a way to really deep in and go in like and actually care that you can turn these people's day around. And yeah. And if you have that approach, people know when you're on their side instantly yeah. and you can and if you try to write the end of that story you know and really send them out better than they, when they came in like yeah you know it i think you hit it on the net the, yeah the and then we, we also we also will buy a dessert for them you know there are other things and yeah. and then sometimes let's say the person like says oh it's no big deal we're fine we're good don't worry about it we still will go buy them a little something to yeah. say thank you for being such a wonderful customer yeah, yeah you know that goes a long way absolutely we haven't even gotten to the point of view opening okay. up your own restaurant um but i mean there has been a ton of value in this conversation though so i'm okay with that uh so is there anything you want to touch on uh in your experience of opening your own restaurant in 1997 Oh man, did I make some mistakes? Was it ninety seven to two thousand and ten? Yes, it sir. Hell yeah! You know, I, you want to do it all. You know, my first menu was like it was like going to a diner. The menu yeah. was so big. <laughs> um, I, you know, you, you've got all this, and you want to you want to do everything. You want to put all the food out that you love the best, and you can't do that. Yeah. And I learned lessons. Um, learned about m- managing money, time, energy. Take the three lessons or two lessons, even uh, looking back, hindsight being 2020, if you could do it differently today uh, and be 35, 40 years old all over again, what would you have done differently going back in time, knowing what you know today? I would have tried to have worked in more restaurants where I could have gained more information on structure and organization because I'm the worst. You should see my sock drawer and my underwear drawer and my closet and my car. Um, I came up in a time where I didn't have a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You know, you were in the hotel business and even though they had executive meetings and stuff like that, it was, there still wasn't a lot being taught to me as a sous chef. There was no program like saying, Mm -hmm. Deb, how to... I need you to deal with the situation and tell me how you would deal with so-and-so and let, letting me do that. All I did was food, 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 which mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, the book wasn't written for restaurants. Did you have a, a partner? In my restaurant? Yeah. Husband. Okay. And was he the front of house of front. F- C- CFO, like financial dude? Yeah. He, well, we had an investment backers. Okay. Um, and actually, it was the people that I worked for for seven years, and we bought into their business, but we were we ran it, and we changed the name. And um, so we had small children, so my husband, Ernie, was home with them, um, and he worked one night in the restaurant, and he did books, sommelier, maintenance. He hates when I say maintenance. Um, but Jack of all trades. He, we had to. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. couldn't afford it. Yeah, we lived on a we lived on pennies. I I never got a raise in thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Everyone else did, but it's okay. I I survive. I have no it's still recognized as one of the top sixty restaurants in America. Well, that was you know that was a that was back in the day when Gourmet Magazine reaches out to different people and gets an opinion poll, and I'm very happy about that. Very, I was thrilled about it. Um, but Nashville hadn't even, didn't, hadn't even started to grow. Yeah, you know, for instance, uh, when I had my own restaurant, you know, I had to really challenge myself to, to teach myself more and more and more about 
the changing of food and the industry and so I'm in I'm in an airplane. Uh, I was on a, a media tour with the Pork Producers of America, and this young man who had two restaurants was sitting next to me, and we were talking about you know the new movement of food and chemicals and blah 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 blah. And he goes, "Wow, I'm surprised you know so much being from Nashville." <laughs> Daggers were coming out of my eyes. I was like, "Little fuckwad." <laughs> so you know, so. The chefs here in Nashville, we we had, we felt we had to work hard at our at our craft. Yeah, and then finally, you know, with the whole Southern Alliance, the Southern Foodways, you know, John Egerton and, and uh, John T. Edge, uh, you know, a lot of other Southern cooks, Natalie Dupree, you know, so many people. Um, Everyone was getting this acknowledgement. I'm Sean Brock. I, you know, was part of getting it all started. And once that ball got rolling, it took off. It really took off. You know, people in the north, I think, were doing southern food before we were. But we've always been doing southern food. I was brought up with a southern grandma from South Georgia. I mean, we were eating mm-hmm. good old butt food <laughs> way back when. I think that's when I had a butt was when I was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> eating all that food. But anyway... um, so, you know, when the opportunity came for my restaurant, uh, my other chef friends and I were like, you know, no one, no media comes. You know, uh, I remember being referred to as uh, the the rhinestone cowboys still live on in uh, the New York Times. Like, yeah, we all still use corn cobs for you know what, you know. <laughs> so anyway, but it, it got here slowly but surely and our town grew and it prospered and more so for when I started at um, Etch, but um, we we went from doing thirty covers a night to one hundred and eighty when I was with the Cakewalk wow. Restaurant, which was before Zola's. And um, you know, people were starting to understand. You know, of course, Food Network was the big, biggest thing that could have ever happened for our industry. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I mean, what a fabulous thing. And, you know, people who come in here, like, like, like want to talk food for me. We watch the Food Network all the time. And I'm like, I know. It's entertaining. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, you, uh, uh, do you sell your restaurant, Zola? Or? Yeah, we had landlord issues. Okay. So, you sold it. You took some time off. You did some traveling. Uh, you kind of maybe re- restored yourself. Uh, were you- I opened two restaurants <laughs> <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> two years. So you, you closed your restaurant in 2010. 2012, you opened two more restaurants, right? Was yeah, in, in between on my break, I I, oh, uh, so- I, I catered uh, from when we closed. And uh, let's see. When, oh, wait. 2010 is when we closed. From 2010. 2012. To 2012, yeah. You opened two restaurants? I helped my friend open two restaurants. I missed that part of the story. Yeah, I uh, I uh, I got them started until he hired a crew, which which was fun, and um, and then I worked in another restaurant for six months till she could find a chef, so I was like the fill in, um, and then I had this opportunity, um, but meanwhile my husband and I were looking for a job in the Caribbean, Bahamas, Mexico, to like run a fishing lodge. He's a huge fisherman, and um, we just didn't find anything yeah. that we cared about before, mm-hmm. or was the right income um so when doug from the four tops said you know the offer still stands because he had offered me an opportunity right after we closed our restaurant his wife worked for us yeah um for seven years as a wait person um fabulous young lady and 
So he pretty much knew what I was like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure he heard some things. Like, I was like, are you sure you want me to open your restaurant? But he knew that there weren't a lot of interesting and fun restaurants yeah. in Nashville at the time. So uh, eventually, 2012, uh, you get approached by Four Top Hospitality. Um, did they approach you? Did you did you approach them? How did that relationship? Well, as, as I just said, he oh okay he uh, he said something to me when we were closing the restaurant, and I said no. <laughs> and then I think a year later, I saw him at some charity event, and he said, you know, the offer still stands. I said, what? He says, you know, to run a restaurant, and I. Twing, twing, ding, ding, the lights went on. Yeah. My husband's going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talk to me for a few days. Um, but anyway, it, it's been an incredible venture, and uh, the the uh, restaurant um, is doing really well. Um, we're right in the middle of um, tourist town. Um, but it's, you know, because of the net, the, the internet, um you know, people can get on and find yeah. what restaurants they want. So we're like a destination spot yeah. for a lot of people. So, you know, they'll do the barbecue, they'll do the country eating, they'll do, they'll pick Hot their chicken. lineup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Prince's Chicken makes in a day what we make in a week. Um, you know, and then we're like their fine dining. And so, um, fun dining, different kind yeah. of dining. Because, so anyway, it's it's been really cool and... I, I, Do they bring you in as a partner? Or are you yes? Okay, cool, awesome. Would you have done it if you weren't a partner? It's called take her blood. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh huh. They they own part of my body. Any advice uh, on uh, getting into those partnerships? Things, ways to protect yourself. Well, you know, you read the papers and make sure you're well protected. Um, but I work for some solid people. They're really great. You knew them before going to business with them. Uh, I just knew Doug okay. f- through his wife. And, you know, I uh, had him out to dinner one night. And I was like, I don't like that guy. He's really kind of mean. <laughs> but that's his nature. Now I know it. So I can be mean back. Anyway. Uh, and then I got to know Paul, the other one. He's the financial whiz and um, helps build the restaurants. Uh, they each have their talents. Uh Paul Moore, the kitchen guy, and Doug Moore, the front of the house guy. Okay. Um, and they're did doing. You, did you complete that partnership? Were they lacking more in the kitchen? Do they need some more kitchen? kitchen they don't want to. No, they don't cook. Okay. Uh, Paul. Paul has. He's his background is in corporate, corporate okay. dining, but he brings a lot to the table. Is there too much noise going on back no. there? No. Do you want me to pull my? Uh, I just realized my case is up on your bar. I'll just leave it there. Okay. <laughs> just don't want that to bother yeah. nah. your, your team members. They'll, they'll be curious to what's going on in the corner. Yeah. yeah. It's um, our, little, a little, our little wall, a little privacy wall. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Paul asked, you know, I, I, I looked at the plans with him and I made comments with him and, um, you know, I was able to be part of building the restaurants, both of them and, uh, making decisions mm-hmm. and they trusted my instincts and, um, you know, bottom line is we made money. Yeah. So I have one more question for you before we sure. move to the speed round. And I'm really interested in how you answer this. Uh, are you familiar with hashtag me too? No, uh. <laughs> I don't do this. stuff. I don't have time. So I am in the kitchen. I am in the kitchen my whole day. So there's, there's a, a lot of good happening in the industry right now where women are oh, feeling yeah. that they can, they're empowered to speak up and defend themselves when they're being sexually harassed, which is a real issue in the industry, right? Like it's happening. Like yes. women aren't as comfortable working in, in some of the, the environments. Uh, so as somebody who's quoted as saying uh, your favorite 
kitchen tool is your big fat 12 inch Woody. Um, <laughs> how do you feel that spoon. about what's happening in the industry now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a wooden spoon. She took a big, I think she almost spit her water up when I, I said that <laughs> as I was reading it. Um, yes, I've been known to say a few things kind of. So how do you feel about a lot of the women speaking up saying that the restaurant, the kitchen space isn't necessarily, uh, like with, are you familiar with what's happening with Mario Batali? Yeah. And so this is the hashtag Me Too, where people are coming out of the woodwork and complaining about the way they're treated. Um, did you do you feel the same way? Like, this well, I feel like there? any of those men, especially in the kitchen, you know, it's a two way street. There's some wild and crazy waitresses out there that don't yeah. mind what's happening mm-hmm. or between can, them and the chef. It's a playground. Okay. Yep. Um, it happens and. It's up to those men to make a an important decision in their lives how far you take it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we don't really know. You know, I mean, there are women coming up and saying he did this and he did this, and I like, you know what? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have he, to. He do didn't. It. Ha- he didn't have to do any of those things. He could have said no. Mm-hmm. So, what makes a person proceed in touching a girl inappropriately mm-hmm. or trying to make her go out with you or? put the moves what, whatever the what situation what if it's just like the playful stuff that we all know happens in the kitchen uh, oh I have to I have to be careful yeah no I mean I I have to determine whether or not how how to say something or not to say something because I am a fucking potty mouth mm-hmm. I mean I'm real good at being a potty mouth <laughs> I'm being really good today um one time I was on Heritage Radio and I learned I could say anything oh boy it was Shit, fuck, damn, caca, doo-doo everywhere. It was like, give me permission, yeah. But I've, I've, I've learned to be a little bit more refined these days. So this is why I'm asking you, because yeah. I'm picking up on that. You you have that cult, like that kitchen culture, that oh, kitchen yeah. humor, where you like to have a good time. And you say things, but you're not saying it to be disrespectful. No. You're not saying it to be uh, crude. You just... You just, it's, we're just having a good time. Well, sometimes which, you figure out which people yeah. you can say things to and which mm-hmm. you can't, okay? You have this demure, shy person, you're not going to go say, hey, dude, you know, and give them this line. <laughs> but it's never like a line. It's like the other day, one of my kids was like blabbing. Like, like I turned to him, I'm like, would you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> and Bethany, the manager, walked by and she goes, she just shakes her head. <laughs> and then, and then Carol, our, our GM over both restaurants, she's like, you know, I can't get away with the stuff you do at a table. I'm like, isn't it great? Because <laughs> I can go to the table and do some jokes, and they have to be very professional. Where yeah. I'm the, I'm the the person in the back, and they they expect you to chefs to be a little mm-hmm. wacky, crazy, and I I play that role for them. Yeah. You know, I I, I can't walk out and say, well, hi, did you enjoy your meal today? Thank you for coming. Bye. It's not in you. It's not hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let me ask you this. Do you think it's getting too far with the hashtag me too and people coming out of the world work and, uh, you know, screaming sexual harassment uh, when it's just maybe just the culture of the industry, people having a good time uh, where there are exceptions where people were actually being sexually harassed. I want to recognize that and not just, it does happen, but yeah. I'm going to say there is a, I mean, when I, when I was in the hotel, you know, our GM was dating, someone else and he was married another manager person that worked in sales my chef my other manager was 
dating the coffee shop manager. Yeah. I mean, you're at work together for 12, 13, 14 hours a day. You spend more time and maybe their marriages aren't that good anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I have never been sexually harassed. I, I, you know, I have no boobs. I have no ass. I'm a plain Jane kind of looking girl. You got girl. that red hair though, which, yeah. is, which is dangerous. But I, um, <laughs> but I, I like to have fun. So yeah. like, I'm like somebody's kid sister, you know, um, more than anything. But, and I never had anyone come up to me and say, my manager's put the move on me, mm-hmm. or, you know, or anything like that. I, it's just never happened. Yeah. But, you know, I know one time in a kitchen, we had a young lady waitress. She's very religious. And she went to the manager and said, they're, they're swearing too much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but anyway, um, nowadays I try, I, 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 I can pick people I can mess mm-hmm. with, you know, and then some I don't, you know, unless... You know, even if they do something wrong, I'm not going to go up and say, what the fuck? Because that's so that's working down on them. So yeah. I was, you know, but there's other people I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. You know, it's all in the tone of your voice and the way you use it. Yeah. But I have had, you know, I've I've been called to the labor board once in 40 years um, because I had a young gentleman who was black and. I was kidding around with him. This is many, many years ago. And I said, would you just get your black ass over here right now in a fun tone? And he took me to labor board, but he had already done so much wrong in the rest. He was a, a bad worker bee. So he yeah. did. He, and, but I learned my lesson. Yeah. And my company preaches liability. You know, you can't make yourself be liable for anything, 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 anything. You know, nothing. So you have to, it's in your approach. So you have to learn how to use your mouth in the correct way. But, you know, I, I had a girl not too long ago, you know, she was saying, you know, what about this whole sexual harassment thing? She goes, have you ever been raped? I was like, well, no. She goes, well, I thought everybody had been. I've been. I'm like, no, no. So why not? So why not what? you? Like, I, I feel like the way you carry yourself, you carry yourself, you communicate in a way that is very shut off to the, even the po- remote possibility of somebody thinking that you might be interested because you love your husband and, and you're here to work and you're here like you communicate don't even think about it no and I don't and I don't put out you know I don't my my, my pheromones must be anti <laughs> anti male pheromones because you know I've been with my husband for 36 years um, but I I'm committed yeah I mean, I, you know, uh, but but I've just, you know, I, I would say I had other things happen, though. I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I lost the baby. Of course, I, I was out of work. And when I came back, they said, we were not rehiring you. Because mm. I learned through manager through manager that they thought I would do it again. And they didn't want to take that chance. Mm. And then I found out that the, the owner wanted to open two restaurants out of, out of our state. And he wanted me to go and, and open them. And so he had offered my manager to tell me I'll pay for her abortion if she wants one so she can work. So I've had that kind of thing happen. That's not right. No. You know, and I had another manager. um, uh, I I was in a car at a pizza place with a, a, I was a sous chef and she was uh, a bakery assistant. And uh, she had a puppy and she just begged and begged and begged. Can I bring it over to play with your puppy? I said, sure. And while you're there, I want you to try on a, 
on a wedding dress because I'm getting married and I have someone little and I need to you to I need you to help me. So meanwhile, we were hungry. We went for pizza. Mm-hmm. Pass my my uh, food and beverage manager passes in the car. He goes right to my general manager the next day and says, Deborah doesn't know how to handle herself. She was out. She's not going to get any respect from the employees. And I'm like, you know what? You don't know me very well. Mm. Because it was, I never even hang out with any of the employees. Meanwhile, the executive sous chef, a man, plays poker every Tuesday with the whole line. Mm. Every cook that's off that night. What's, wait, and I can't roll by in a car? And then he and then he mistreated the woman upstairs who was a chef. It, it, it was really ugly. And then I found then he was dating someone in the hotel. And years later, when I ran into her, she just laid on to me what an awful person he was, you know. And he just didn't just disres- disres- disrespected women. He just disrespected yeah. women and didn't understand. I wasn't, you know, I, I'm there to get a job yeah. done for you. Mm-hmm. If I'm not doing, I mean, I was out of the building. Yeah. Out of the building on my own. You shouldn't even care what I'm doing. Yeah. No. So, you know, I had those kind of run-ins, but I never had, a, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I missed out on anything, <laughs> do think, really. Do you think we've come, are we in a better place today? Yes. I, I've learned, le- I, there's so many people lessons to learn in this yeah. business because you, there's, there's. Kitchen people are a different breed. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them work two jobs. A lot of them are tired all the time. You have to be careful what you say because, you know, they're, they're, no one really eats very well. Um, so, and then I have a miscommunication of language because <laughs> I'm the only one that doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> and, but they kid me all the time and they come to, they give me, they, we play. Yeah. We play every day. You know, Deborah's language game. What cannot she remember today that we learned yesterday? But so, you know, I never put myself out there. But I don't, some women are just, you know, they're, they're, they're sexual looking or there's, mm-hmm. you know, and a man feels like, I'm going to go after that. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happening. I, I really don't know, but I feel bad for these people. I feel that I, I, I don't know what I can do to make it better because I've never been in those shoes. Um, but it, it happens in every industry, and that's the sad part. It's what's, what's happening to our human race that you just can't keep your hands off. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, this has been a great conversation up to this point, and we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Bye. <laughs> Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. <laughs> Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 866 Mention Restaurant Unstoppable and receive 10% off your first three months. 
and say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with Sorcery AP Automation. To be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member, FDIC. We're back. And the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Comedians. <laughs> Sense of humor. Can you repeat that question? That's a what, big question. <laughs> what is your it factor? So a My habit, a trait, basically your, your strength. What is your strength? Work ethic and humor. I would agree to that. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? I can't stand stupid people. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but it is. I have a hard time with it. I have to bite my tongue. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Do I ask them? I ask. We already talked about this. I always before. ask all my employees um, if they play nice with others. They have to be able to play nice with others. And they have to have a sense of humor. Well, of course. <laughs> but I don't. That's not. That's like number three. Mm-hmm. You know, number one is you're going to have to work hard. Mm-hmm. Number two is you have to play nice with others. Number three is that. And number four is if you have an issue working with women, I have a lot of women in my kitchen so that you can't let that bother you. What is a current challenge today? Work ethic. Yeah. It's really hard. The just uh, kids thinking they're better than thou, you know, it's it's. I don't know why it's that millennial age thing that they're saying, and I'm not going to blame that on anything, but um, what's the word that they're using today that they titled? Yeah. You read my mind. No, you're one of them. Right. (laughs) No, No, it's just, it's not everybody, but they've been given permission from the word. Yes. Too many times. Yeah. I think not enough knows too is think about the, our generation growing up with the internet in MTV yeah, in a bit I don't know just like knowing uh, our rights and knowing when people somebody's like kind of pushing you or like whatever and just being kind of more willing to stand up and say I'm not willing to do that um, I don't know that maybe well it, it's sort of the same that uh, okay someone made something on the station the day before it's wrong and I say <laughs> It is. This doesn't taste right. I didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> well, it's on your station today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't make it. Well, it's on your station You're today, right? So you need to yeah. do something about it, don't you think? 
Okay, I'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not the blame go game. Uh, I'm not going to go any deeper here. I'm afraid to. Uh, <laughs> share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act. Communicate. Communicate to each other in everything you do. If you don't know something, ask a question. Mm-hmm. And it's okay it's, if you don't know. You know, you know, no, it is quite okay. I'm here. That's why I'm here. I'm here to, to help yeah. you through this situation. Yeah. Ask me any question you want. And sometimes they ask me a lot of questions I don't want to be asking. <laughs> you know. Can you help me? Can you help me with my girlfriend? I'm not sure what to do today. Um, I've talked to... Yeah, I've... Yeah. Is this when you say, can you just shut the fuck up? No. <laughs> no, I only say that to people who do excessive, excessive talking because that's their... That's their gift, talking. I, I would never deal with work in the kitchens. I I'm sure they say the same to me. Won't you ever shut up? No. What is one uncommon standard of service uh, that's common in your restaurant? So not common in the industry, uh, but common in your restaurant. One unstandard common. Sorry. Knowledge of the menu. Knowledge Complete of the menu. Complete knowledge yeah. of the menu. That includes what's gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, carrot-free, beet-free, pepper-free, did I say garlic? <laughs> garlic free. So how do you I, how do you get people to this point? Like what what do you do? Oh, to it's get just there? it's we have lists. We have things. They we put the menu out with every little thing, any allergy that we can possibly conjure up. Okay, mm-hmm. the basics. But it is so important. And now let's say in the daytime we fry crab cakes. So if someone has a shellfish allergy, they can't have the what's a, the what or what that's fried in the nighttime because of the daytime. Mm-hmm. So they have to know everything that goes in the fryer later. They have to know. It's really, yeah, really you important. you got to give them those tools. You can't we just expect them, people to know that. We give them tons of tools. We work with them every day. My management crew is about pressing the repeat button. Okay, mm-hmm. what, what has dairy? What has... What doesn't have gluten in it? What does have gluten in it? How can you rearrange this dish? And if not, they come and ask us. Yeah. And they and sometimes they know, but they do it every day because they don't, well, they're not totally liable if they came and asked yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Then I'm liable, yeah. which is fine with me because I'd rather give them the information to make sure it gets served right. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is one a book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? Oh, cheapers. There's too many of them out there. Pick one. Like self-helpy? Self-help books? Or, or business or marketing or... Um, or self-helpy. Those are good. I like those ones. I'm not going to lie. Books that have helped me. My therapist, is she, she's a book. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I... I mean, as far as in the industry, Harold McGee definitely yeah. is, is, is understanding the science of food. Okay. But... You know, I really can't think of a a management book. You know, back in the day, it was the ten minute thing. You know, like the ten minute manager. Yeah, yeah. But there are so many today. Still effective to this day, though. It's a well, good book. time is money. Time is money. You know, and that's why is that a book or is that just a saying? It's got to be both. I know it's my <laughs> saying. Like you know, gather, take your take your your bin, I mean, your b i n to the walk in and get everything. Mm-hmm. You're making eighty steps mm-hmm. for one thing for a recipe. Read the recipe, go get it all. Time is money. So I'll put Harold McGee's book in there and the Ten Minute Manager in there because time. Just because I can't think, I know there's those are good ones. Those are good ones. Uh, share an online resource or tool that you've recently started leveraging or you've been leveraging for some while. I t- say that again now. An online resource. A resource. A it could a be tool. like a magazine online, or maybe uh, are you or an app or 
hmm. uh, somebody you're following on Instagram, maybe. I really don't have time for it. Okay. I do look up. I do look up a lot of leadership, um, kitchen leadership uh, um, emails. Or what do you want to call them? Blogs, whatever. Okay. Which one's your favorite? I don't really. I couldn't tell you because I don't do it enough. You can tell me later. Shoot me an email when you figure out one that. But I, you like. I, I am not on the email machine a lot. I'm on the Google machine more, looking for re- just interests and recipes and stuff. I live, I live on the Google machine for for just finding food. <laughs> I'll throw Google in there for that'll be your answer. It is. It's a good answer. It is. So it's very. It's I mean, very and, and the kids, if I ask them, like, you know, do you know what lime leaf is? And they'll go like, what? Lime leaf. Well, tell me. I was like, nope. Look it up. You gotta look it up because it's like the old, it's the old mom and dad thing. Yeah. You know, look it up in the dictionary yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What is one piece of technology uh, that maybe your restaurant group has adopted in the the recent past that m- help you with the communication, profitability, efficiencies, uh, systems, processes? Are you guys leveraging any technology in that regard? God, everything is just based on that computer. There's tons <laughs> of them. It, you know, can my Vitamix be part of technology? Sure. Oh my God, I can't live without it. <laughs> and my CVAP. There you go. <laughs> I love my CVAP and I love my Vitamix. All right. Well, and uh, there, there are, uh, as far as, you know, equipment is technology and there's some new stuff coming out today and new ways to do things. It's making food service so much more easier for certain which processes. Which has you most excited? My, is equipment? Yeah. A fast, like really fast Vitamix, but I would love the reversible one, the thermo thingy thing, but we just don't have one of those yet. Okay, cool. I'm going to work on it, though. I'll link that in the show notes. And uh, this is the last question. You ready for it? It's a big one. Okay. So brace for impact. You can see I'm a real bad techie. <laughs> if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for your legacy and for the good of humanity and the, and the, the restaurant industry, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Those three pieces of truth you could leave Number behind? Number one would be, if you're not having fun, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't make yourself go to a place that you're miserable. Make yourself happy. Even if it takes a money cut, you'll find a way to fix it. Number two, smile at everybody. Mm. Like, I can't tell you how many elderly people I say hello to and smile to in my walking to and from in the restaurant. Greetings, make them feel important. You know, they're people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people forget about elderly folks. And it's a good feeling to know they still are alive, yeah. you know, but they love to communicate mm-hmm. with younger folks. And I'm younger to them, which is great. <laughs> so I feel really good hanging out with them. And number three, love your family. Mm. Beautiful. And also, you know, as any parent, I've had my ups and downs because I've raised teenagers and now have young adults. And I've lived with the same man for a long year, a long time. But my kitchen is also my family. In whatever kitchen I am, they are part of who I am. And I have, I love and respect them all. I mean, when, when, when my staff leaves, we hug every day. We hug every day. I'm going to cry. I love it. It's so good. It's so I love powerful. them. I love them. I love them. They, um, it's so special to be with them, to know that, that you can get a hug from your line cook and your prep cook. It's great. It's, it's, yeah. it's um, so, 
you know, it's, it's, it's just to say it's, it's a hard journey, especially for me because I wasn't home a lot to raise my children and my husband did all of that. So he, I owe him everything. He is a mentor. He's incredibly intelligent and, um, uh, he's really helped me be who I am today. Um, so, uh, when he wants sex, I'm right there for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to recap, be happy, chase happy, uh, make sure you're happy at work, uh, eye contact, make sure you have that eye contact, especially with elderly people. They are, smile. are still, eye contact, and smile, that's what it was, uh, and love your family. Um, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Chef Deb. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been great and fun. Pleasure to meet you. (laughs) You were great. We wrap up every episode. Can I buy you lunch? Uh, I won't say no to that, but I'm going to have you call somebody out. Who's one person you respect in this industry and believe would be a great guest mentor on the show like you were for us today? Um, Hold on. Who's my favorite? I don't really have a favorite. Oh, they're all my favorites. Um... Hold on. Take your time. Okay. Let me, I got to think of all the restaurants in my life. To be on your show. Hold on. It's almost there. Well, one of them's passed away, so I can't use that one. <laughs> but he would have been perfect. Um, Edgar Penley. Edgar Penley. Look out, Edgar. I'm coming after you. Edgar's so talented <laughs> and he knows so much about the industry. He's crazy. He's meaner than a I, I've heard that meaner name. than an ass. I feel like I've heard that name come up a couple times. Uh, but he he's Is it in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. He's on Twelfth Avenue South. That's what it is. And he works for a man that I worked for many, many, many times. But I respect him for his knowledge of the industry and his hard work ethic and the changes he's made in his life from becoming from being an asshole to being a better asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Edgar, look I out. love him. I'm coming after you and uh, let the folks at home know how can we connect or follow you uh, websites, social handles. If you maybe want to come join your team and be a pot in the mouth in your kitchen, what's the best way to connect? Teach, 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 <laughs> teach, teach, teach with you. If you wanted to connect with you, of who would want to connect with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, who would want to connect with me? No, I'm saying like no, wait. if we if we want to connect Nick, with you, you. Uh, social handles, email, website, anything else. Oh, email, email, text. Um, I I have a lovely lovely marketing lady, Allie, and she helps me with so much. <laughs> and so, um, she knows I'm illiterate. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I can now copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> the pasties that is. Anyway. Um, uh, but she helps me a lot with all of that, and she does everything. I mean, she's a total marketing geek, you know. So just go to the website, I guess, would be, I'll have the website. You, you know, you know what I thought hashtag was when I first learned about it. So, you know, I'm from the 70s. Uh, I'll link to the uh, Excedra uh, website in the uh, Etch website in the show notes and have the social handles there. So if you guys can go check yeah. that stuff out. Deb, thank you again. You were incredible. Thanks, Eric. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Catch Yes. I love it. <laughs> we'll cut it there.
There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Deb Paquette crushing it. Uh, some great advice and a lot of fun. I think that was probably the, the thing that stood out to me the most today is how much fun Chef Paquette is. And that in itself is just a huge critical lesson that really the, the, the amount of work we have to do, the amount of backbreaking work we have to do in this industry, uh, it's so important to be able to have fun while you do it. And that really does kind of help take the edge off. And, um, but at the same time, we've got to be careful. Uh, we've got to walk that fine line. And I think, you know, chef Deb was an example of that. She's had a, a few of her experiences where she kind of crossed the line and, uh, you gotta know where that line is. Uh, but I think she does a good job of that. I think she does a good job bouncing it. And, uh, some other good lessons from this conversation is just making it more, than just the job for your employees. Uh, you can have the choice to let people show up and uh, just do a job and go home, get paid, or you can give them purpose. You can help them grow. You can give them other reasons to show up to their job. Uh, so that that falls on you. So make it more than just a job. Uh, I think that's just so powerful and a great tool just for uh, retaining your employees. And then lastly, some great advice on how to diffuse a table and how to work with angry people. And again, I think she uses that humor to diffuse a lot of these situations, uh, just having fun with it and, uh, having that, that personality, having that emotional intelligence, uh, great stuff from today's conversation. All right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurant unstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, Eric catch Facebook slash face bloop. Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how we can make this platform better. I'm listening. I'm always looking to grow. And keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. Lastly, please help me spread the word about Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, The best way to support this podcast is by sharing it. The mission of this podcast is to empower independent restaurant operators and owners with the stories and mentorship of those proven to be successful in the industry. Uh, But the, the best way to make an impact is if people know about this. So if you guys are finding value, share it with your friends, share it with people you know who are aspiring to do great things. Let's grow this sucker. All right. That's it for today. Thanks so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.